Hello, everyone. Welcome to our listeners in the Big Apple from across the U.S. and around the world. I'm Jeff Goodman, and this is Rediscovering New York. Professionally, I'm a real estate broker with Brown Harris Stevens, but our show is not about real estate. Rediscovering New York is a weekly program celebrating New York City, its history, texture, and vibe. And we do it through interviews with historians, local business owners, nonprofit organizations, preservationists, musicians, and artists, and the occasional elected official. On some shows like tonight, we bring an individual New York neighborhood to life, exploring its history and its current energy. What makes that particular New York neighborhood special? And on some shows, we celebrate an interesting and vital color of the city and its history that's not focused on one particular neighborhood. On prior episodes, you've heard us cover topics as diverse and illuminating as American presidents who came from New York. We've looked at the history of women activists and the women's suffrage movement in the city. We've looked at the history of different immigrant communities. We've looked at the history of the city's LGBT community and the gay rights movement. We've looked at bicycles and cycling, punk and opera in New York, our library systems, the subway, public art, our greatest train stations, and even some of our bridges. Yes, New York has fabulous bridges, everyone. After the broadcast, you can catch each show on podcast. You can hear us on Apple, Spotify, Amazon Podcast, Stitcher, and Google Podcasts, among other services. Tonight, we're journeying across the Harlem River again. Well, I live about 200 yards from it, and we're going back to the Bronx, and we're going to be visiting Fordham. Uh, in the first part of the show, I have two guests. The first guest is Wilma Alonso. Wilma began her career on Fordham Road in 1995 at the Bronx Council for Economic Development. It was during her time as the executive director of this founding organization that in 2005, she helped establish the Fordham Road Business Improvement District. Since then, Wilma has long been considered the heart and soul of the organization and is known across the city as the fierce advocate of the neighborhood and is the architect behind many of the economic, social, and capital improvements that have occurred on Fordham Road. Wilma's leadership, resourcefulness, partnerships, and creativity continue to be the driving force behind the direction of the Fordham Road bid. And joining her is Marco Schalma. Marco is a Bronx, New York-based entrepreneur, investor, and producer. He founded Round 7 Media in 2013, quickly becoming a New York City leading creative agency, celebrated for launching brands, products, and services with an innovative approach to branding and marketing, someone unto my own heart. In 2017, Marco founded MASC Hospitality Group, an umbrella company with ownership in New York's most successful event series and stakes in various food and beverage concepts, most notably the Bronx Night Market, which we're going to, we're going to talk about, Radio Park, and Wandering Barman. He currently works closely with the U.S. Small Business Administration, New York's Department of Transportation, and the City's Economic Development Corporation to create a citywide organization that supports street activation across the five boroughs. Marco is a board member of several not-for-profits and committees that have focused on support for the small and micro-business community. Marco's passionate about branding, can you tell? Content marketing, good food, the Yankees, I hope there aren't many Mets fans on here tonight, and Arsenal, not necessarily in that order. Marco Shalma and Wilma Alonso, hearty welcomes to Rediscovering New York. Thank you very much, Jeff. Hey, Wilma, are you originally from New York? No, I'm from Puerto Rico, but I was raised in the Dominican Republic. So I oh, have huh? the, the good and the bad of both worlds. <laughs> and Marco, how about you? Are you from New York originally? No, actually, I'm originally from Israel via South Africa and been in, in New York in the Bronx for the past 17 years. Oh, well, we'll have to talk offline. I've not only been to Israel and been to Puerto Rico, but I've also been to the DR, and I love them all for different reasons. <laughs> um, Wilma, what brought you to the Bronx Council for Economic Development? So it's a long story, but um, I started my career at the Bronx, at the Bronx Council for Economic Development. I did my college internship there. So I started as an intern. So um, and then after my internship was completed, uh, they hired me to be the clerk typist. And uh, one thing leads to the other. And in five years, I became the executive director of that organization. You started the Bronx Business, uh, the Bronx Business Improvement District in 2005. Um, actually, the Fordham Road Business Improvement District, I'm sorry, in 2005. Um, what was the inspiration that had you transition from the economic development of the Bronx uh, and focus on one particular neighborhood? I think I fall in love with uh, Fordham Road. 
um, the energy, the vibrancy, and the um, commitment of business owners and property owners made me fall in love. And I just did my bid crossover. I've had directors of bids on the show before, Wilma, but most were not founders of the organizations. They came in later on. What was it like to build a bid from scratch? It was hard. <laughs> it was hard work. Um, it took 25 years to form a bid on Fortin Road. It's not an easy thing. It's not something. It's like a one, a one size fits all for every neighborhood. But I think that at the point uh, that the bid was formed, um, property owners were able to sign off and say, yes, we need we need a bid in our district. And uh, here we are 15 years later. Did you have a lot of support from the business community when you founded the bid or was it some, obviously you had to have some support to start the organization or was it something that took a while to build support for amongst a lot of the businesses who eventually signed on? I think for, for the foot and rope bid in my, in our case, um, it was, it was the, re, the, the, the reverse. I think that because we came through as the mother organization, you know, from the Bronx Council for Economic Development, and we were doing a lot of pre-formation for the bid. So we were establishing a relationship with businesses first. And then, you know, it's like we went up the ladder and start the relationship with property owners. So definitely we started with the businesses. And I'm guessing that there are some members of the bid who've been members since the founding. Yes, indeed. Marco, you founded the, is it the MASC Hospitality Group or do you pronounce it Mask Hospitality Group? How do you? Yeah, we, we pronounce it Mask Hospitality Group. Okay. Um, you founded the group. Um, I'd like to talk about the Bronx night market, but first I want to find out more about Radial Park because it's unique and it sounds like a hell of a lot of fun. What is what is Radial Park? Well, um, it is a hell of a lot of fun, uh, Jeff. You know, uh, Radial Park is basically a driving theater in which we have something that we call Broadway at the drive-in. And we it's it's a concept that we trademark, which is a hybrid experience between a drive-in and a live performance. You know, like it's it's a cinemersive experience where you watch the movie on the big screen and then you have a full 10-piece band and a cast of about 15 literally filling up the space between the cars, between the picnic tables and singing the songs that are, you know, that are supposed to be in the placement of the, of the movie. So it, it's, it's a kind of, it's a, it's a really unique experience that came off from the pandemic, you know, where, and, and that's something that was created because of the, the need to be more isolated, the need to kind of, but this, at the same time to be outside and, and you know, engaging and, and communicating with other fellow New Yorkers. So I'm curious as to how it works. If if there's a point at which there's um, music in a movie and people singing, does the sound get turned off and then and then and then the band and the and the performance pick it pick it up? Yeah, literally that. Like you know, we switch off from the movie into the live performance, and we have uh, we have a team of video uh, video cameras running around and capturing that. So as the movie as the movie reached that point of the song, you know, we switch it into the live performances, and then the cameras chasing around, you know, the cast and crew and the music, and then you get to see that on the big screen. So it's it's pretty unique, you know. It's a trade, you know. We trademarked that, and now we're in conversation to take that across the country to different venues wow what a great idea do you actually need a car to 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 see it you don't actually need a car so i mean you can bring a car but we also have alternative of picnic tables and then what we did we bought about 150 picnic tables to to slowly and gradually replace the need for cars as covid you know as we as we get out of covid and obviously as the weather gets better Um, just so our listeners can find out about it how would they find out about future uh, performances well, all our shows are on Radial Park, R-A-D-I-L Park.com. And then you can see all our shows. And I, and I got to say, like, we have uh, the big, the big, you know, grandiose performance that we have to start the season starts at uh, May 27. It's the Blues Brothers experience. So we have an incredible show, which is kind of like, you know, it's kind of like fitting to have like a Blues Brothers with the car in Radial Park uh, driving. So 
it is going to be outstanding. So I, I urge everybody to just check it out. Radialpark.com, all the information. Oh, wow. I'm not, I'm going to have to do it also because I'm getting possession of a car for the summer in about a week. So I'm going to, and I just have to drive across uh, the Willis Avenue bridge and I'm there. That's um, it. Where is Radial Park in the Bronx, by the way? Where do you do it? Radio Park is actually located in uh, Hallett Point in Queens, Long Island City. Okay, sorry. Okay, yeah. And so it, I'll, I'll, little, I'll, I'll, I'll have to take the RFK bridge then instead of the the, the Willows Avenue bridge. Just a twelve minute ride from from where you're at. Mm-hmm. One more question about it: Do you ever? Or do, are you going to do Rocky Horror at Radial Park? Have you ever thought of that? That's the one. The first thing that came to my mind was was how great Rocky Horror would be for it. Uh, you know, we already did last year during the pandemic. We did like in Halloween, of course. We celebrated Halloween for three days. And one of the movies was uh, uh, was Rocky Arrow. And it was incredible. We had a group called Neon Coven that does like, you know, they, that's their shtick. They do a bunch of Halloween costume. And it was incredible. You know, so everybody came dressed up. We played horror, uh, Rocky Horror. We all danced to all the, the tunes. But maybe we'll bring it back this year. Ooh. Well, let's go back to to Fordham and Fordham Road. Wilma, what kind of programming and initiatives do you undertake at the Fordham Road bid that might be a little bit different from other bids? I think that um, we do the basic, you know, supplemental service, sanitation services, uh, marketing and beautification. But I think um, the the event, the outdoor events has been our bread and butter. Um, you know, I am. Um, I, um, I know that our constituents, they really wanted to have fun and enjoy time in the borough. So they don't need to go to other boroughs. I don't want to mention the name of the other boroughs. But so we have been hosting like a whole series of summer events. Like we brought the first zip lining on Fordham Road. We have we bring the beach to Fordham Road. So we have sand and water slides. We do movie nights. Uh, we have the largest festival in the Bronx, that is the Fordham Fair. So what I'm saying is like, we try to make sure that our our residents and visitors, they can come and stay in the borough and have fun. Mm. Marco, Bronx Night Market, what was your inspiration for, for starting it? Well, you know. I'm going to have to be honest and say food, you know, lots of food. Yeah. Well, I can relate to that. <laughs> lots of delicious food. Uh, my co-founder and I, you know, met and we we kind of bonded over there, over our love to, for food, you know, like food network, different foodie experience. We both came from the food industry, like in the restaurant industry. And it's been a passion of us. So when we met and started having this conversation about kind of food and we realized that like 90% of those food that we kept mentioning don't we don't we can't find them in the Bronx we have to commute to other boroughs and that honestly that kind of pissed us off you know and we wanted to kind of do something to change you know like any other good idea it's kind of from like a necessity need or want and what we you know we realized all right the universe brought us together to talk about food and also to kind of bring food to the Bronx and celebrate Bronx food so yeah food 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 well, we're going to take a short break. And when we come back, where I want to find out more about the Bronx Night Market. And we will be continuing our conversation with Wilma Alonso of the Fordham Road Business Improvement District and Marco Sharma of Mask Hospitality. We'll be back in a moment. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC at www.talkradio.nyc. Now broadcasting 24 hours a day. Are you a conscious co-creator? Are you on a quest to raise your vibration and your consciousness? I'm Sam Leibowitz, your conscious consultant. And on my show, The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, we will touch upon all these topics and more. Listen live at our new time on Thursdays at 12 noon Eastern Time. That's The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, Thursdays, 12 noon on talkradio.nyc. Are you interested in having a better relationship with yourself, others, and God? Greetings. I'm your host, Dr. George Andow, for the show, A Journey Through Into Awareness. On my show, we journey into the awareness that the mind of God is the true seat of our personal consciousness. 
We join together each Monday at 7 p.m. So tune in on Talk Radio NYC. Did you know that nearly one in five adults in the U.S. battles mental illness? Hi, my name is Albert Dabba. I'm the host of the show Extra Inning. Extra Innings, I discuss the topics of wellness, mental health, and the experience of surviving multiple suicides within my family. Listen live every Monday at 6 p.m. Eastern to Extra Innings for discussions with sports figures, artists, mental health professionals, and many others. That's Monday at 6 p.m. Eastern on talkradio.nyc. Hi, I'm Graham Dobbin. Join me every Thursday evening for the Mind Behind Leadership here on talkradio.nyc. We speak to people from business, sport, military and politics, all around what makes a great leader. The personal experiences of what's worked and, maybe more importantly, what hasn't worked. So, that's 7 o'clock every Thursday evening. The Mind Behind Leadership here on talkradio.nyc. Listen to real stories of real leaders. Listening to Talk Radio NYC. Uplift, educate, empower. And you're back to Rediscovering New York. I'm Jeff Goodman, and we are at show 112. We're visiting Fordham in the Bronx today. My guests are Wilma Alonso. She's the executive director of the Fordham Road Business Improvement District. And Marco Schalma, who is the founder of Mask Hospitality Group. Um, we're talking about the Bronx night market. Marco, when does the when does the night market take place? What time does it start? What time does it end? Tell us about it. Well, uh, this year, uh, 2020, the market uh, started at uh, April 3rd and will go on every Saturday between 12 and 7 through uh, November 13th. So, yeah. So, and this year, because of the COVID regulation, until further notice, I'm hoping it's going to be around July. You know, we're asking everybody to go online and RSVP the slot just so we can kind of have a good crowd control. Mm. Do, do uh, slots fill up? Do you? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Very fast. So I'll have to tell you when I'm coming, so I'll make sure I get in. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll get you the inside. Uh, <laughs> what is it like? What's what's the vibe of the Bronx night market like? Um, if I happen, if I were to happenstance upon it by accident, well, obviously you have they have to make reservations. But if I just walked in, what would be some of the most fun and memorable things about it that I'd walk away and go, "Wow, I wasn't, I had no idea that 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 I would experience this." Yeah, I mean, it, we, we have to we have to kind of make a distinction between, uh, you know, 2019 and a 2021 uh, Bronx night market. You know, when we talk about 2019, we're talking about seven to nine thousand people, at, you know, coming through the door every day. Uh, Forty five to sixty different vendors, mostly food vendors. We're talking about, you know, live performances from local artists. We're talking about a beer garden. We're talking about different activation like a like a beer hoisting or or, or hot sauce eating, chicken or different contests. Because of COVID and the regulation, we had to kind of work on a smaller scale, approximately about a third of the of the normal size. So we have to be a little bit more modest and humble, you know. And, and now, right now, the main thing in mind is to serve the community, both the community of the Bronx residents and the community of the small businesses. And this is it, it's more like a you know I don't want to say practical because it's still a great celebration of food and community and artisan. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, we we can't wait till this is over so we can come out banging like 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 you know like the Bronx has been used to us. So mm. yeah. Well, it seems like there's light at the end. You know, there's more light at the end of the tunnel, and that tunnel is the end of that tunnel is coming sooner and sooner for us. Um, Marco, do you know if most people who go to Bronx Night Market are they actually from Fordham or do they come? Are they mostly from other parts of the Bronx? Do they come from other parts of the city? Do they come from outside the New York area to uh, to go to the Bronx Market? So that that's a beautiful part about the Bronx Night Market. What we created, you know, with the guidance of Wilma and the bid, it's the idea of we are very predominant. We are predominantly a local 
you know, food market event series that we cater and understand our community, the Fordham community. But, you know, we welcoming everybody from across the borough, the city and beyond that, you know. So at any given Saturday, you will find local residents and other, you know, Bronxites from different neighborhoods all across the borough. But also we'll see like people coming from Brooklyn and Queens and people coming from Jersey and Long Island. So and, and, and a lot of visitors coming from Westchester County. So, you know, while distinctly like we are there focusing on our community and the Fordham community, we know we know that it becomes like a like a hub, like a beacon for the Bronx to showcase some culinary expertise, some flavors. And, you know, it, it's a little bit more, you know, like like people do, like, you know, when you dance salsa and you and you kind of move, it's a different tone. It's a different vibe that we gave over there. Well, I can't wait to come. I'm really I'm really looking forward to it. Um, as much as I'd like to talk more about the Bronx night market, let's talk a little bit about the neighborhood that we're talking about, which is, which is, which is Fordham. Um, describe the vibe of Fordham. What is it that, that each of you likes about it? Um, I think that Fordham road is very unique. We love the character and the people and we, anything that we do is thinking about how we can amplify and make that even better. I think that is the, is is the the people the richness the variety the the vibrancy but also that our district um, is very well known because of a commercial district but I think it has the stories that people tell every day like um, the the opportunity of that someone had the first job on Florida Road or that they were have um were used to come when they were little to Alexander or Sears back in the days, you know, it's like, or they have the first kiss when the theaters were around, you know, it's like, or they re- make memories about jams. And, you know, so I think that that's a very important aspect of one road because it's the district that we have the real stories to tell. Mm. And that is, that, that means that we are connected to people's real life. So, mm. And I think that we are people know where, where which store they have to come to get the sneakers to get you know it's like so it's it's a lot of fun. Well, one of my first jobs uh, back beginning in 1975, I was a cashier at Alexander's, but the one in Brooklyn at Kings Plaza. I don't I never made it up to the one in Fordham. Um, you each started your Fordham neighborhood programs at different times. Um, do you think that that the neighborhood has changed much since since you began? Well, I'd like to start with you because the the bid is sixteen years old now. How has how has the neighborhood changed since you started the bid? I think that um, it have changed for the better. I think that um, we have been blessed uh, with a very low vacancy rate. So and even during the pandemic, so. Um, but I think it's like suddenly our neighborhood has been transformed to have um, to be a one-stop shopping destination where we have national retail chain stores being part of being a member of the bid. So before it was very local, very like medium-sized. Now you have like a uh, one-stop uh, shopping destination where you can go to TJ Maxx or or you can go to. Old Navy or Gap, or you can go to uh, Bombini, you know? So I think that that's, that is the variety that we want to keep. That's the character because that that bring a lot of strength to our district and the customers, they love it. And when we were planning the show, one of the things that Abby mentioned, which I found really heartwarming, is that hardly any businesses in Fordham Road have actually closed in the, in the pandemic, that, that almost all of them have, have been able to remain open and to, and to continue serving their customers in the community. Yeah, our vacancy rate has been very steady. Um, we have been working um, hand in hand with our businesses. I know it has been a tough time. Uh, but our businesses are resilient, you know, it's like, and we have to mention also that besides the pandemic, also we were hit really hard with the looting. So, um, but our businesses are up and running and welcoming everybody to come to shop on foot and road. Marco, I think you mentioned that the night market goes from the spring to the fall every year, right? Yeah, that's correct. Did, did you, um, um, what was the, 
actually, if you start in the springtime, then the pandemic last year started in March. Um, when were you able to reopen the market? Is it was it only this year, or did you were you able to do it in, in 2020? Uh, we were able. We were actually like blessed and 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 able to open uh, the market uh, late August last year, and as due to to the due diligence that we did with working closely with uh, city, state organization and and officials in order to understand and also advise and consult and what it will look like to open, you know, to to restart New York. And because of our, you know, because of our immense work uh, with those organizations, including DOT, EDC, we were, we were, we had the information of what it takes. So we can, we went on and did that. And, and I think it was important for us to do that because the community of the Bronx, which throughout the pandemic was, was hurt more than other communities and with less activities, even at the little one, the, you know, the smallest one that you can imagine, like street closures or like, you know, sidewalk uh, dining or whatnot. We knew that we had responsibility to go ahead and do that. We knew that it is like something that the community requested and also the micro businesses, you know, our vendors are seasonal vendors that that's, you know, that's their livelihood and they couldn't do that. So we opened in, in, the late August, we ran all the way to Christmas. And that was like, for us, that was a pilot program to come back this year and say like, okay, we know what we, we know what we did, you know, and we were the first one to open this year. And we are the only one running at the moment um, in a very COVID safe regulated uh, form and people are loving it. Mm. Well, in case we have some, would-be local entrepreneurs listening, as we sometimes do to different neighborhood shows, is there anything that either of you wish was in Fordham that isn't right now to get to, to maybe give someone an idea to, to open up a business or to do something that doesn't exist? I'm not going to tell you because I'm planning on opening that business <laughs> that I know that is, is non-existent. So, but I will say like, you know, Walk around in Fordham. It's a great shopping district. You know, come to the Bronx Night Market, enjoy the food and enjoy the community. And and you can tell what it is that, you know, the neighborhood might need or whatnot. And and I and I've gotta say something about the community in the Bronx and Fordham, you know. Super direct. They'll tell you straight to your face if they like what you do or not, you know, and that's something that is I I consider that a privilege because other places you might go around for a long time without knowing if you're doing well or not, you know, so they'll keep you on a check. So I appreciate that. That's a good piece of advice, Marco. Wilma, do you have any advice for someone looking to open a business in Fordham? Well, you can find an empty space. No, I'm just. But but I think that. um, we always welcome any type of like um, innovative businesses, um, entrepreneurs that are looking to do something. Uh, but one specific thing that we would love, we would love to have on Florida Road, is like uh, art. Anything related to art, an art gallery, you know, will be great. And we can mix them with a pop up with the night market. Perfect. Wow, that's such a great idea. Last, contact information for Bronx Line Market and for the Fordham Road bid. How can people find out about you? So if they wanted to know about the Fordham Road bid, they can um, reach out to our website is FordhamRoadBid.org or they can follow us on any of the social media platform, Fordham Road NYC. Great. And Marco, for Bronx Line Market, it would be? At Bronx Night Market, you know, simple as that. You know, on Facebook, Instagram, and on Twitter, at Bronx Night Market, we are super responsive. Anybody is welcome to come and hit us up. I can't wait to come. So, and thank you for that invitation to to call in advance to make sure that I'm one of the lucky people who actually get in at a designated time. Wilma Alonso from the Fordham Road Bid and Marco Shama of Mask Hospitality Group, thank you so much for being on Rediscovering New York. We're going to take a short break, everyone, and when we come back, we're going to have a lively discussion with a regular guest on Rediscovering New York. We're going to talk about the history of Fordham and of a very important institution that's right on Fordham Road. We'll be back in a moment. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC. Uplift, educate, empower. Hey everybody, it's Tommy D, the nonprofit sector connector coming at you from my attic. 
Each week here on talkradio.nyc, I host a program, Philanthropy and Focus. Nonprofits impact us each and every day, and it's my focus to help them amplify their message and tell their story. Listen each week at 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time until 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time right here on talkradio.nyc. Are you a business owner? Do you want to be a business owner? Do you work with business owners? Hi, I'm Stephen Fry, your small and medium-sized business or SMB guy, and I'm the host of the new show, Always Friday. While I love to have fun on my show, we take those Friday feelings of freedom and clarity to discuss popular topics on the minds of SMBs today. Please join me and my various special guests on Friday at 11 a.m. on talkradio.nyc. Do you run or are ready to open your own business? Hi, I'm Jeremiah Fox. I've been operating and opening small business for the last 25 years, and I'm the host of the new show, The Entrepreneurial Web. Tune in every Friday at noon Eastern time for insights and stories on the nuances of running small business right here on Fridays at noon, talkradio.nyc. I am Joseph Franklin McElroy, host of the new podcast, Wise Content Creates Wealth. It airs on talkradio.nyc every Friday afternoon from 1 p.m. to 2. They say content is king. Well, wise content rules the world. Every episode features tools and tips for content marketing and business people telling the wise content stories of that success. Tune in every Friday from 1 p.m. to 2 on talkradio.nyc. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC at www.talkradio.nyc. Now broadcasting 24 hours a day. back to Rediscovering New York. Support for the program comes from our sponsors, the Mark Myman team, mortgage strategist at Freedom Mortgage. For assistance in any kind of residential mortgage, Mark and his team can be reached at 646-330-4735. And support also comes from the law offices of Thomas Siaka, focusing on wills, estate planning, probate, and inheritance litigation. Tom and his staff can be reached at 212-495-0317. You could like the show on Facebook, and you can also follow me on Instagram and Twitter. My handles there are Jeff Goodman NYC. If you have comments or questions, or if you'd like to get on our mailing list, please email me, Jeff at rediscoveringnewyork.nyc. One of the note before we get to the second half of the program tonight, even though Rediscovering New York is not a show about real estate, when I'm not on the air, I'm indeed a real estate agent in our amazing city where I help my clients buy, sell, lease, and rent property. If you or someone you care about is considering a move into, out of, or within New York, I would love to help you with all those real estate needs. You can reach me and my team at 646-306-4761. Our second guest is no stranger to Rediscovering New York, although he hasn't been around lately, but it's great to have him back. That's Justin Rivers. Justin is the Chief Experience Officer and Lead Tour Guide for Untapped New York, formerly called Untapped Cities. Justin started his career as a New York middle school and English language teacher, uh, on the, taught on Lower East Side, he dragged his students to historic sites across the city in an effort to bring New York City's lesser-known stories to life. He became co-creator of The Wonder City. It's a graphic novel that reimagines New York City's entire history. He was also the playwright and producer of The Eternal Space, an off-Broadway play that centered on the demolition of New York City's Pennsylvania Station, a sin for which we still have not forgiven some of the people behind that abominable thing that happened. It was with this production and one simple tweet that he fell head over heels for Untapped New York, whom he partnered with for his Remnants of Penn Station tour, which I still have yet to go on. (laughs) Along with his role as Chief Experience Officer, Justin is the founding director of the Character Connection Initiative. It's a nonprofit that connects character education and mindfulness to middle school curricula. He's also curator and lead tour guide for some of Untapped New York's most popular tours, including the underground tour of the subway, the remnants of Dutch New Amsterdam, the secrets of the Brooklyn Bridge, the remnants of the World's Fair and Flushing Meadow, the secrets of Coney Island, maritime history of New York, the hidden gems of Rafael Guastavino, and the art in the New York City subway. 
Justin, welcome back to Rediscovering New York. We've missed you. Jeff, it's always a pleasure. Yeah, where have I been? I don't, I don't know. You tell me. <laughs> but great to have where I've been. Great to have you back as always. Yes, thanks. Um, you're originally from the New York area. I am, yes. I, although not born in the city, I'm from Jersey. Don't hold it against me. Um, but I was born right outside of uh, New York in Hackensack. And then uh, I went to Fordham University as a, a bushy, bright eyed, bushy tailed 18 year old and never came back. <laughs> so. We, and we will talk about that shortly. Yeah. Um, yeah. What was your career and business path that led you to illuminating New York and the best of it for the tours that you create and that you lead? Well, you know, actually, I feel like I can talk about this uh, in slightly more detail because it was the Jesuits at Fordham who instilled in me, you know, be a person of service. So I started teaching Catholic school on the Lower East Side uh, because of them. And uh, the Lower East Side and that career got me to trying to illuminate history for students uh, who hated it uh, badly. <laughs> and uh, I'd bring them around New York and say, guys, you live in the most history dense city in the world almost. You know, we got to get out and, and see this stuff. And I realized I really liked it. And that mm-hmm. translated into other projects, which introduced me to untap then cities, now New York. And uh, I've been able to have a dream career of doing that for everyone. So it's been great. <laughs> And I'm a little envious of it, but I get to do a little bit of it uh, once a week on this on the on this show. Uh, Fordham and Fordham Road. First, how did the neighborhood get its name, Justin? So, a uh, really interesting uh, tale. Um, it actually there could be one of two things. Uh, nobody settled on it yet, but most likely it was because the Bronx River. It it was settled at a part where the Bronx River was shallow, a place where you could ford the river. Uh, ford and, ah ah yeah so. F- Fordham. Uh, there it is. So, um, And it was founded by a Dutchman uh, right after the English takeover of New Amsterdam, actually, in 1666, uh, a man by the name of John Archer, or uh, what he actually Anglicanized his name to John Archer. And that's what he preferred to be known as. Uh, he founded Fordham Manor, um, which is interesting because he got uh, what was called a patent, and it was more like a, a medieval sort of serfdom that he was granted by then uh, Governor Lovelace down in Manhattan, who was running the show down there. And uh, he starts Ford Manor, and so they think it's because of the Ford in the river, the Bronx River, or it could also be that uh, John was a fan of the uh, English poet John Fordham. But mm. I think it's probably the river. Not to get off too much on a tangent. I mean, obviously, there were Dutch people and and settlers uh, and first generation uh, North Americans living here at the time Mm -hmm. of the takeover in 1664. But um, I've not heard of uh, a lot of Dutch people who were then granted, given these grants by an English governor. Was that unusual at the time? It was unusual in Manhattan. It was not unusual in what we know today as the outer boroughs. Uh, So, for example, if there was good land in the Bronx, uh, the name... Bronx comes from Jonas Bronk, who was Swedish, who was given a land grant um, by, I think it was Stuyvesant. No, I think it was before Stuyvesant. Um, so they, and uh, Deborah Moody in Brooklyn got Gravesend and she was English and uh, Flushing was English. So yeah. that was Stuyvesant. So the Dutch kept all of their Englishmen far away from Manhattan because they wanted it for themselves. But Manhattan, it was very, very rare. Yeah. Mm. Let's talk about Old Fordham Village. When when did that start? When did that? Yeah, so John. So uh, interestingly enough, uh, John Archer. I'll just keep referring him to John Archer because I'm awful at Dutch pronunciation. Uh, John Archer brought, I think it was 16 families with him to the manor to settle Fordham Manor in the area around what we know today as uh, Fordham from the Grand Concourse and Fordham Road all the way down to sort of Fordham Plaza uh, and a little bit north. And um, those families grew to be a couple of hundred people over generations who founded uh, Fordham Village. And it's a a part of Fordham's identity that we sort of lost when it got assumed into the greater Bronx. But Fordham was a very, very successful village. Um, So successful that the uh, New York Central made it a stop on the White Plains line, which really changed uh, uh, Fordham and, and the look of Fordham. So yeah, Fordham Village was a popular bucolic village uh, right outside of New York. Are there any remnants of old Fordham Village that we can still see today? 
Well, you know, I'm a big fan of street grid uh, and how street patterns in New York sort of tell the story of the history. Uh, and if you go to Fordham Plaza, which is right outside of the gates of Fordham University between uh, Fordham Road and Webster Avenue, um, that is the public, that was the village square. And you can still feel it very much so today. And of course, one of the greatest remnants besides some of the oldest buildings at Fordham University, which I think we'll talk about, uh, which were some of the first buildings built in Fordham, uh, the Poe House, which I know we're going to talk about Edgar Allan Poe too. The Poe House in Poe Park is really a remnant of the uh, old Fordham village. Mm. And there's also some significant Revolutionary War history in Fordham, isn't there? Yeah. So um, what we know as the Boston Post Road today, uh, and of course the river as well, was a main thoroughfare through Fordham. Uh, It was called the King's Road. And the King's Road led to the King's Bridge, which the King's Bridge is down by Marble uh, Hill down in that leads over into the northern tip of Manhattan, which was the very first bridge to Manhattan, by the way. Don't let anybody tell you High Bridge was first. King's Bridge was. Uh, and that was uh, George Washington was escaping New York during the Battle of New York in August. And uh, he was running away from Hessians and the British and he was uh, making his way to White Plains and he passed right through. Fordham. Uh, Fordham Village at the time was filled with revolutionaries, so he got a little help. He got a little cover from them as well. Um, And he used uh, part of the uh, Millbrook Road, uh, which no longer exists, to escape, to get out. Mm. Well, you know, it's interesting that the King's Road, uh, they changed the name to the Boston Post Road, but uh, there were several uh, royal names that didn't get changed. And one of them is Kingsbridge and we have the yes. neighborhood Kingsbridge and also the bridge, the actual bridge, which I actually, I think they found remnants of, um, in, uh, right North of Marble Hill. There's a park there now, and they've, they've found remnants of the original bridge. I, I, I would love to see them sometime. I don't know if they could digging them up or, uh, excavating them out. Jeff, that could be a whole other show. I've got a great story about that, but I know okay. that's <laughs> well, not what we're talking about right now. <laughs> do it. Um, Right before we take a break, Justin, let's talk about uh, Edgar Allan Poe. Um, You know, he was buried in Baltimore. He lived in Manhattan for a while. But a lot of people don't realize he was also a Bronx guy. You know, how did he wind up there? And what were some of the famous uh, uh, poems that he wrote while he lived there? He he was uh, a Bronx resident for almost the like the entirety of the end of his life. He he died fairly young. But his wife, Virginia, whom he always wrote about, lived with him in Mm -hmm. the Poe Cottage for a while. Uh, And he went up, he had, he always had money issues. And so one of the things that he found in the Bronx was an escape uh, from his life down in Baltimore. And um, he uh, was able to get a little bit of quiet as well. And if you go to the Poe House, which is still there, it's a, it's a very cute little historic cottage, but very small because it's what he could afford. And uh, the reason why I think Poe thrived in the Bronx was because of his relationship with the Jesuits who had just started St. John's or what we call Fordham. Mm. Uh, he was he was a guest of the early Jesuits. They loved him. He loved them. And uh, the Bronx's newest Catholic church, which was built in 1847, which is still on the site of Fordham University today, was called Our Lady of Mercy. And uh, he would have heard some of the first bells being rung from that church in 1847. And they say it, in, it, it inspired his famous poem, The Bells. Mm. Well, I think this is a good point to take a short break. And when we come back, we're going to talk about the college that really helps define this part of the Bronx. Um, My first, my second guest, well, my third guest, really, we had two guests in the first part, is Justin Rivers of Untapped New York. We'll take a short break and be back in a moment. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC. Uplift, educate, empower. Are you a small business trying to navigate the COVID-19 related employment laws? Hello, I'm Eric Sauver, employment law business law attorney and host of the new radio show, Employment Law Today. On my show, we'll have guests to discuss the common employment law challenges business owners are facing during these trying times. Tune in on Tuesday evenings from 5 p.m. to 6 p.m. Eastern time on talkradio.nyc. Gateway to the Smokies. It airs on talkradio.nyc every Tuesday night from 6 p.m. to 7. 
every episode is dedicated to memorable experiences in the Great Smoky Mountains National Park and surrounding areas. This show features experts and locals who will expound upon the richness of culture, history, and adventure that awaits you in the Smokies. Tune in every Tuesday from 6 p.m. to 7 on talkradio.nyc. Do you love or are you intrigued about New York City and its neighborhoods? I'm Jeff Goodman, host of Rediscovering New York, a weekly show that showcases New York's history and its extraordinary neighborhoods. Every Tuesday live at 7 p.m., we focus on a particular neighborhood and explore its history, its vibe, its feel, and its energy. Tune in live every Tuesday at 7 p.m. on talkradio.nyc. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC at www.talkradio.nyc. Now broadcasting 24 hours a day. Welcome back to Rediscovering New York and our show on Fordham in the Bronx. My guest for this part of the show is Justin Rivers. Justin is the lead tour guide of Untapped New York. Justin, now that we're coming out of um, the worst parts of the pandemic and um, companies like yours are actually offering tours again, what are some of the tours that people can take advantage of now if they're interested? So we have put mainly on the weekends, Saturdays and Sundays, we have put uh, our greatest hits, as we like to say, on the the calendar. So uh, the Underground Subway Tour, which has been selling really well, uh, which is surprising everybody, but it's uh, it's a great tour. I've been doing them myself. Um, Grand Central, Secrets of Grand Central Terminal, also uh, Dutch New Amsterdam. So all of those are in regular rotation, Secrets of the uh, Remnants of the World's Fair, sorry. Uh, at least once a month, and uh, Remnants of Penn Station is now back, which includes Moynihan, uh, which has been a big draw for a lot of people, too, to get to experience uh, Moynihan if they haven't yet. So we're very busy. We're very lucky and grateful to be busy. So, And how can people get in touch with Untap New York to find out about your offerings and to book uh, some spots? So the best way to do it is uh, untapped. We're still untappedcities.com, even though the name changed. Uh, and you can go slash tours. And we just redid the website. Now the tours and the insiders have their own individual pages. It's much easier to book. So untappedcities.com slash tours, and you can find us there. And I'm going to have to take your remnants of Penn Station tour one of these days. I know I keep threatening, but now who yeah. knows? Maybe I'll get closed yeah, down. You're all booked up. up. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll be there. Don't worry about it, Jeff. We'll do it. All right. Um, Fordham University. Um, before I talk about the college, I want to ask you one question about the neighborhood. When would Fordham begin to look like the neighborhood that we see today? So the, the Fordham neighborhood that we see today really sort of started taking shape in the mid, early to mid 20th century. It was rapid, rapid development, uh, low tenement development mainly, um, which was uh, spurned on by train connection, eventual subway connection, um, and of course, immigrant population. What's interesting, Jeff, you and I did a show about Belmont, which is the southern end of uh, Fordham. And uh, Belmont's very, very strictly Italian, but the Fordham end of town was uh, a split between Irish and Jewish. And there's a lot of Irish influence, even still today, uh, in the Fordham uh, neighborhood. And that's really when Fordham that we know it uh, looks like mm. the Fordham that you could see today. Did um, uh, Irish immigrants have anything to do with how Fordham University was founded or how it, how it progressed, how it, how no, it grew? No, actually, well, yes, very much so. But I think the I think Fordham spurt, brought a lot of Irish in because it was a Catholic haven. It was uh, founded by a very big uh, Irish immigrant who was a larger than life um, archbishop in uh, Catholic history, which I think we're going to talk about. So I think it becomes sort of like a stronghold for the Irish as they're coming over in greater numbers and and, and escaping from Manhattan. Are you talking about Dagger John Hughes? <laughs> I'm talking about Dagger John Hughes, yes. How did he get the name? You'd never think of an art of a bishop getting a name like Dagger. Well, actually, the not to be uh, anti-Catholic, but, you know, uh, the church uh, throughout the centuries has... Uh, 
uh, uh, fostered a lot of violence against people. But, you know, in the 19th century in New York, how did he get the name Dagger John Hughes? Oh, for sure. And the Jesuits were assassins. He wasn't a Jesuit, though, but the, the Jesuits made their living in Europe by being assassins. But uh, that's, a, again, a whole other story. Uh, Dagger John John Hughes was an Engl- uh, Irish, sorry, oof, bad, uh, Irish immigrant <laughs> who came over and uh, <laughs> I'll get hate mail for that. And um, he came to a New York that was very, very Protestant. And of course, what you're having is in the 1830s and 40s, you're having these massive migrations of Irish immigrants who are taking jobs from New Yorkers who are filling the streets, uh, the the neighborhoods of lower Manhattan, think five points, and they're bringing Catholicism with them. And New Yorkers hated this. This is, you know, we're a strong Protestant Episcopalian town. And uh, he builds Old St. Pat's, which down uh, on Mott Street in Little Italy in, in lower Manhattan, Olita. And like other uh, American cities at the time, Catholics are being beaten up. They're being killed. The churches are being burned. And history repeats itself sort of like now the uh, anti-Asian hate that we have running around. Even on a larger scale, because Catholicism itself was such an affront to the Protestants. And um, John Hughes takes over and he says to everybody, don't even think about it. And he builds, if you go to old St. Pat's, there's a 12-foot wall around St. Pat's. He built that wall, and he lined it with parishioners who had guns trained right at the church, at the entrance of the church. And he said, if you try, we will shoot you. Uh, also, he made a very famous quote. He said, you know, if anybody tries to burn our churches, we will burn Manhattan like Moscow, because there was a famous burning of Moscow at the time. So he did not screw around. Um and that is how he got the name Dagger John. Um, he 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 said he would fight to keep Catholicism, and he really is why Catholicism grows to be. It's 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 bizarre to think of no Catholics in New York or Catholics not being welcomed in New York today. You know, there's a there's a very large Catholic identity, but that's mainly because of him. What role did he play in St. John's, either in the founding or its growth? So he he founded it. He decided it was time to get a Catholic higher education. Um, uh, institution in New York, but he realized it would never thrive in Manhattan if they started it. So he buys uh, Fordham Manor, which was then at the time called Rose Hill Manor. And uh, he buys the property, I think it was like for $29,000 and he got a really great deal. And he uh, found St. John's, that's what it was called first for a couple of years, mainly as a college and a seminary to start training uh, priests and brothers. Hmm. Well, we have a couple of minutes left, Justin. Let's talk about some of the uh, fun things about Fordham. It's home to some of the oldest historical artifacts in the city, and a lot of people in the city don't even know that they're there. What are some of the more interesting ones? So it's really interesting, even as a student, um, when I was there, the new Walsh Library, which you can see from the train, you can see from Fordham Road, it's a gorgeous building, uh, was dedicated because William Walsh, Built it, and his wife loved. It. She was a, a student at Fordham, an alum. She loved antiquities, so they also decided to donate the Greek, Etruscan, and Roman Art Museum. It's four thousand square foot space in the library. It's open to the public, uh, and they have these gorgeous Greek, uh, Etruscan, Greek and Etruscan vases, plates, uh, very well preserved, and um, it's some of the oldest human artifacts in New York City. And nobody ever takes. Uh, them up in it. It's a really quiet, meditative spot, too. It's just a really great place in the library, and it's free to the public. I'll have to check it out, especially the Etruscans, who were there like a thousand years before the Romans were, I Yeah, think. no, and, yeah. and and it's amazing how well-preserved. I keep thinking of this Etruscan vase in my head that I used to go see when I was a student, and it was brand new when I got there. Not the vase, I'm not that old. The uh, the, the, the museum. Um, and it was, it's just really gorgeous stuff. There's a fairly well-hidden replica of the Sistine Chapel on the campus. Yeah, so it's and that's a fairly cool new thing. Uh, in Duane Library, which was the old library before the Walsh Library opened, um, which now has become uh, a center for uh, theological offices and also some theological classes, uh, there's the Mother Butler Commons, which nobody knows where that is, even students, if you tell them, you know, Mother Butler Commons, and they go, well, huh? Um, in the room, the Metropolitan Museum of Art donated to Fordham a quarter-sized replica of the Sistine Chapel ceiling 
that they had put together for uh, an exhibit. I believe it was in 2018 uh, on Michelangelo and decided when they dismantled it, they thought that Fordham being a Catholic university would uh, would love it. And Father McShane, who is still the president, he said, yeah, totally. And it's gorgeous. It's really quite stunning. Well, Justin, we're out of time. Maybe we can kidding? continue this conversation when we talk yeah. about some of the unusual campuses in the city. That's actually an interesting idea for a show. That is. We'll have to do that. Um, Justin Rivers, uh, lead tour guide and chief experience officer of Untap New York. Thank you so much for being on the show about Fordham. It was a pleasure. Uh, if anyone, if you have comments or questions about the show, if you'd like to get on our mailing list, please email me, jeff at rediscoveringnewyork.nyc. You can like us on Facebook and also follow me on Instagram and Twitter. My handles there are Jeff Goodman, NYC. Once again, I'd like to thank our sponsors, the Mark Myman team, mortgage strategist at Freedom Mortgage and the law offices of Tom Siaka, focusing on wills, estate planning, probate and inheritance litigation. One more thing before we sign off. I'm Jeff Goodman, a real estate agent at Brown Harris Stevens in New York City. And whether you're selling, buying, leasing, or renting, my team and I provide the best service and expertise in New York City real estate. To help you with your real estate needs, you can reach us at 646-306-4761. Our producer is Ralph Storier. Our engineer is Sam Leibowitz. Our special consultant is David Griffin of Landmark Branding. Thanks for listening, everyone. We'll see you next time. www.talkradio.nyc Now broadcasting 24 hours a day. Hey everybody, it's Tommy D, the nonprofit sector connector coming at you from my attic. Each week here on talkradio.nyc, I host a program, Philanthropy in Focus. Nonprofits impact us each and every day, and it's my focus to help them amplify their message and tell their story. Listen each week at 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time until 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time right here on talkradio.nyc. Hi, I'm Graham Dobbin. Join me every Thursday evening for the Mind Behind Leadership here on talkradio.nyc. We speak to people from business, sport, military and politics, all around what makes a great leader. The personal experiences of what's worked and, maybe more importantly, what hasn't worked. So, that's 7 o'clock every Thursday evening. The Mind Behind Leadership here on talkradio.nyc. Listen to real stories of real leaders. Hi, I am Joseph Franklin McElroy, host of the new podcast, Wise Content Creates Wealth. It airs on talkradio.nyc every Friday afternoon from 1 p.m. to 2. They say content is king. Well, wise content rules the world. Every episode features tools and tips for content marketing and business people telling the wise content stories of that success. Tune in every Friday from 1 p.m. to 2 on talkradio.nyc. you listeners looking to boost your business why not advertise on talk radio nyc with very reasonable rates interested simply send us a message on our website talkradio.nyc do you love or are you intrigued about new york city and its neighborhoods I'm Jeff Goodman, host of Rediscovering New York, a weekly show that showcases New York's history and its extraordinary neighborhoods. Every Tuesday live at 7 p.m., we focus on a particular neighborhood and explore its history, its vibe, its feel, and its energy. Tune in live every Tuesday at 7 p.m. on talkradio.nyc. Franklin McElroy, host of the new podcast, Gateway to the Smokies. It airs on talkradio.nyc every Tuesday night from 6 p.m. to 7. Every episode is dedicated to memorable experiences in the Great Smoky Mountains National Park and surrounding areas. This show features experts and locals who will expound upon the richness of culture, history, and adventure that awaits you in the Smokies. Tune in every Tuesday from 6 p.m. to 7 on talkradio.nyc. Listening to Talk Radio NYC. Uplift, educate, empower.